0: What kind of law do you practice?
1: Maritime. Maritime law. Lawyers of the Sea.
2: Submarine Chaser.
0: Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am sportslogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live as always from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. I'm very happy today to be talking about the Erie Seawolves, who play in my native Pennsylvania. I grew up on the other side of the state, outside of Philadelphia, but it's still my native Pennsylvania. The Seawolves are the AA affiliate of the Detroit Tigers. I'm going to be speaking with Dan Simon, who created their current brand and many of the alternates that we'll be talking about. And I'll be talking with Chuck Johnson with the Erie Maritime Museum. And right now, I'm very happy to be talking to the team's president, Greg Coleman. Greg, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having
0: me. Oh man, I am very happy to talk to you about the Sea Wolves. This is a a, a brand that people really love out there. I, I'm lucky. You know, I apologize for this. I didn't get it from the team store. Dan Simon actually sent me a cap from the Sea Wolves that he had created, and so I I love wearing that cap around. It's a great logo. It always gets gets comments. Obviously. Erie, Pennsylvania is not exactly near a sea. I don't know if it's exactly known for wolves, uh, although there's probably wolves. I don't know. There's probably wolves in Erie, Pennsylvania. Can you tell me what the what the nickname "Sea Wolves" means?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, someone was very geographically or topographically challenged when they came up <laughs> with this thing. But uh, no, the, the the reality is that uh, the team started as a short season affiliate of the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1995. And uh, in the process of uh, naming the team, uh, Seawolves was found to be slang for Pirates. So it was a fun, uh, fun way to you know, show that show that affiliation. But at the same exact time, also have a distinct and different brand um, that Pirates affiliation changed when the team uh, uh, got a promotion up to double A. The team had great success the first few years and the Major League Baseball expanded. And when that happened. You had uh, the teams come online in Erie and in uh, Altoona at the Double A level. Altoona is just about as far from Pittsburgh as Erie is, and they had a a nice new ballpark that was a few years younger. So that Double A affiliation with with the Pirates ended up going to Altoona and has been there ever since. Erie ended up becoming an affiliate of the uh, the Angels and then eventually moved to the Pirates, and we've been with the Pirates. I'm sorry, with the Tigers, uh, have been with the Tigers since uh, since 2001. Uh, So, uh, so it's, uh, you know, we both ended up with nice, long term, good, strong relationships, uh, but we had a name that didn't quite fit anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, we had some choices along the way to make, but ultimately, it was a name that had uh, a lot of uh, brand equity in the marketplace. And, you know, at different points, when we had a chance to change it, we just decided, you know what, let's, let's keep this thing going. There's a lot of potential.
0: You mentioned that the it's been in a. Uh, you all have been the Sea Wolves since 1995. the 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 logo that they had originally, let's. I mean, you know, I try not to be unkind in any way on this uh, on this podcast, but let's just say that it's it's dated. There's a certain dated quality to the original logo. It has a sort of clip arty feeling about it. It's a you know, it's a wolf. Obviously, the the logo that you unveiled and started using in 2013, created by Dan, is is you know, leap years beyond, you know, what that that original logo was, but it still maintains a lot of the same sort of, you know, the, the crossed bats, like the the skull and crossbones, but it's baseball bats instead of, you know, the crossbones. It's a wolf with an eye patch and a pirate's hat, which is fun, but obviously visually, you know, red, a little bit of red, but mostly black and yellow. So there's a strong tie to to the pirates visually to that original affiliation do you have to explain a lot the fact that you're in Erie, Pennsylvania and you're not a pirates affiliate? But that logo, there's even a specific pirates logo that they that they used, right? Like in the, you know, the the late nineties, two thousands, you know, with an actual pirate wearing the bandana and the 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 eye patch. How much do you have to explain to people that you're not a pirates affiliate?
2: You know, I don't. I don't think we have to explain it a lot. I think there are there are people who follow the game closely, and those folks know. And then there are folks who follow it casually, and those folks, to be blunt, don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think we have to explain it a ton. I will say that when we rolled out the uh, the revamped identity for the 2013 season, we were very careful uh, during those early years to make red the dominant mm. color to go along with black. We kept yellow in our back pocket, and it wasn't until 2018 season when we were going into you know five years that we said okay now it's now it's time to introduce this yellow concept because likely at this point everybody gets it so so we stayed away from yellow alternates for a good solid five years after making the change just to cement in the folks minds hey look this is this is not a pirates affiliate Mm -hmm. but that being said we Are in northwest Pennsylvania. You do have a number of folks here who follow the Penguins, the Pirates, the Steelers, they are all black and yellow. Uh, so, so, us having an identity that you know has yellow as part of its color combination, even though we're not a Pittsburgh affiliate, it very much is Western Pennsylvania. So, um, so we, we don't feel out of place. And if folks don't quite make that connection, like I said, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the, they're. Those are the folks who are casual fans. They're probably coming out for the fireworks or the, you know, the, the ice cream Sundays and the helmets and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, yeah, you know, the affiliation is a little less important.
0: It's precisely what I'm coming out for, by the way, is the ice cream helmets. I mean, I love the baseball. I love the atmosphere, but I've got a couple of Seawolves helmets back there in the, in the collection behind me. Yeah. That's, that's, that is part of the experience for sure. When you and I spoke back in 2016, for the story behind the nickname series that I wrote for sportslogos.net, you mentioned that when you went through the rebrand in 2013, that there was a very brief consideration of renaming the team and sort of looking into like the local history and whatnot. You know, we joked about Erie not being near a sea. It's obviously near Lake Erie and Lake Erie might as well be a sea, right? Like it's, I don't know what the official distinction is, but the, you know, the great lakes are enormous. You talked a little bit when we, when we talked for the story behind the nicknames story about, you know, let's look into, you know, what are some other things might we, you know, rebrand entirely, or are we just going to update the, the existing brand. You mentioned the, uh, the battle of Lake Erie in the war of 1812. Like maybe that was something to play on. How much of a consideration was it to go away from that sea name and, and do something different that relates to Erie, Pennsylvania?
2: I think we considered the change. Uh, I don't. I don't think we spent a lot of time contemplating alternate nicknames. I think, I think we asked ourselves the question of, you know, does this does this name do what we want it to do right now? Is it mm-hmm. is it distinct? Do people know it uh, when you say it? You know, is it our our ballpark, our our brand that pops up in your mind? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we decided to to stick with it because the you know the people that we're marketing to it meant something to them. Mm -hmm. and starting from square one yeah i i think certainly i think we could have created something that was locally relevant uh sold nationally and 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 started over but you are starting over and you are pressing reset and that can be a good thing and that can be a bad thing at that time uh, you know in our development we we were under a different ownership group there was a lot of the factors that went into you know saying hey look this is not the time to press the reset button Mm -hmm. um whether that was right or wrong, time will tell. But I think we built a pretty good brand off of a a, a moniker that people were familiar with. And I think you know when you think about uh, concepts, think about uh, marketability, pirates is it gives you a lot to work with. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's you know movie franchises that are based on pirates. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a you know, you've got, uh, you got know, obviously professional sports teams that are along the same lines. You know I mean so there's there's a, there are a lot of tools there and it's very robust from a marketing standpoint We, we did consider some other interpretations you know you mentioned the war of 1812 you know, down uh, downtown Erie there's a statue of Oliver Hazard Perry uh, and and you know his role played in in, in that and so it, the consideration well, should sea wolves mean pirates or should sea wolves mean something else? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they're even like submarines that, that are that are are seawolves when we came down to it, this was the ro- most robust direction. It gave us the most options and we get even more options because we're not just a pirate, we're a pirate wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we also, you know, we, we can, uh, you know, we can howl or we could say are, you know I mean? <laughs> We've got different options we can go with. So sometimes it's actually too much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it almost gets a little too cloudy from time to time. Uh, but, you know, we, uh, it gives us a lot of tools to be able to work with. So when you realize that we had this, Just huge canvas to be able to work with. It it felt a little silly for us to walk away from it. Um, Mm -hmm, But, mm -hmm. you know, again, that was that was our decision. And, uh, you know, over time, that'll prove us right or wrong.
0: Sure. Well, you know, it's been a decade and people still love this brand. So I think proven right is probably the answer here. There there, you reference two things. You know, one of them is the the options that you have with both wolves and pirates. Obviously, with pirates, there's a lot of sort of skull imagery the iconography associated with wolves is is pretty specific too, and and you know you guys have doubled down on that with the actual wolf. I'm going to talk to Dan about this, but uh, you may. Re- I wonder if you remember he submitted a logo for possible inclusion in in the suite of logos that was actually a wolf skull. And when you look at it, it's a little bit terrifying, right? Like it's a wolf skull with red eyes and two baseball bats, but the, instead of a bat handle, it's got like a, like a sword handle instead. And so it's, it's super, like it's, it's not kid friendly, right? Like it it went completely the other direction with scary wolf skull and and the team decided not to go with that. But there's, you know, there's a seriousness about this logo that is, uh, you know, not the sort of cartoony, wacky, you know, kid friendly, smiling gopher or whatever. Although Dan did do a gopher logo too. But it's you know there was a decision to to be more sort of serious, more sort of uh, intimidating rather than sort of wacky and goofy. That obviously was intentional. What was the thinking behind that?
2: Well, we wanted something we we thought had broad appeal. I mean, the one thing about the old logo that we had, we were already sort of semi serious, if not scary. I mean, mm-hmm. our prior our prior wolf had had you know teeth that you know (laughs) may as well have had blood coming off them that's how sharp (laughs) they were uh and so so it wasn't like when we downshifted to this we were making it harder or more aggressive we were Uh just making it a a better logo that was more applicable across the different ways that we would use it uh Uh but I, i think the beauty of what dan designed is that we have a mark that depending on how you look at it he could be smirking Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could be, he could be, uh, you know, grinning. He could mm-hmm. be uh, very, very serious. It's open for interpretation, and I think that's that's the beauty of it. And then, over the years, we have built off of that even more to where we've done uh, different themes. From, you know, uh, what we call our, our holiday collection, where, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have the wolf wear, wearing a, a winter hat or a Santa hat or a St. You know, St. Patrick's Day, uh, you know, Irish hat. Yeah. Uh, and we've just, you know, we have all of these different offshoots, but uh, but it's just become uh, you know, so uh, so flexible and versatile. We can keep going different directions. Now, I will tell you, uh, you know, we, we do try to have a, a broad appeal with the main mark. But I think that uh, over time we've introduced different things that you know lean one way or another. We introduced a, a howling wolf mark, which probably leans a little more, uh, a little more male, uh, you know, than than the um, than what we call our bandana wolf, which is our cap logo, which probably leans a little more uh, female and child. It's a little bit more accessible. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. it's, it leans all the way there, but it's but it but it has a more broad appeal to to those segments. Uh, we'll be introducing something here in in the fall uh, that definitely leans heavily male, probably okay. he- heavily teen male, okay. uh, and and that that is for a very specific you know, a very specific audience. So we just try to have a within our portfolio of marks a little something for everybody.
0: Well, at the time of this recording, and I don't actually know. I think it's probably this episode will likely drop after Halloween, but at the time of this recording, it is before Halloween. And your avatar on Twitter right now is a Frankenstein's monster version of the Seawolf, which is you know, it's totally fun. I think there's there's always a positive reaction on on, uh, you know I'm primarily on Twitter more than the other social media outlets. There's always such a positive reaction to the the different versions of these brands that that you put out there. i want to I want to double back on something actually, because it relates to one of the marks that you have. And it is a story that that we talked about back in 2016. This is not something that I just know off the top of my head. You mentioned Oliver Hazard Perry. And, you know, when you were looking at the War of 1812 as possible inspiration for, you know, a, a rebrand, the, the story of Oliver Hazard Perry, who was the commander of the uh, flagship Niagara, which is uh, docked in Lake Erie, that was part of the the battle it was a part of a decisive victory over the british in the battle of lake erie and again this is all stuff that's in the article because i had to look it up after you and i talked about it the first time but that that ship famously flew a flag that said don't give up the ship and you told me back in 2016 that that flag and that you know that phrase and oliver hazard perry were responsible for the fact that the erie Seawolves have a flag based logo in their in their suite and so that that story of Oliver Hazard Perry I don't know how how common knowledge that is it's probably very common for people who are history buffs but that was not a story that I knew before you know looking into this and and the fact that that is the inspiration for a you know one of the logos in this suite I think is a is a sort of great connection to the to the local history
2: yeah it was a way to keep the pirate identity but also tie into the yeah you know, to the 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 local relevance uh, i mean like i said there's a there's a statue downtown that you know, you know, honors Oliver Hazard Perry, the Niagara. Um, you, know, we, you know, we've we've got this uh, great kind of maritime museum that's uh, that's that's on the on the bayfront, And, um, you know, there are certain times of year we have tall ships festivals come into town where you've got these 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 large flagships come in. We are the only port in Pennsylvania. We have this little notch that I think is probably about um, 40 miles wide, give or take. That is what we call Pennsylvania's chimney. We're the only part that sort of touches the water, okay. uh, and, But it gives us all kinds of opportunities to to do things like that. But it's uh, we take a lot of pride uh, in it's sort of that underdog spirit of Erie, Pennsylvania. That uh, you know that even when uh, when the odds are against us and, and you know things things you know <laughs> and there's a hundred inches of snow on the ground, yeah, we're gonna persevere, right? Um, <laughs> So, uh, but no, we, uh, we, we love the fact that we have that flag markets part of it. Uh, when we started, it was one of our cap logos. Mm-hmm. Uh, over time, we realized that, that, you know, we're, we're the sea wolves and folks want to buy wolves on hats. Uh, so it's become more of a alternate sleeve patch type of concept. We have, have it on the front of one of our jerseys as well. Um, so it's, it, it plays a nice supporting role um, and it's a nice way to really pay tribute to uh, all Oliver all, all Hazard Perry and Erie's role in that pivotal war. Absolutely.
0: So you all
2: participate
0: in the Copa de la Diversión program, the Spanish language alternate brands that minor league baseball teams do to expand the reach of of minor league baseball. And the uh, Erie Seawolves during their their Copa days are the the Piñatas. Can you talk about how come you would uh, choose the name Piñatas for a uh, baseball team?
2: Well, I can tell you, it's not because the Eastern League beats us uh, senselessly with, uh, <laughs> with with sticks.
0: I'm picturing the Portland Sea Dogs with a blindfold, just swinging a bat around right now. <laughs> uh,
2: you know there there are a few there are a few different uh, reasons behind it. Um, at its core, a piñata is filled with fun. Right. And and, you know, I mean, yeah, it's we want to be uh, when people come out to the ballpark, we you know, we want to surprise them. We want to delight them. Uh, and that's exactly what happens when you know, when when you're hitting a pinata. But going even further, uh, we are uh, we are unusual as a, as a minor league baseball team. Uh, we have uh, a Mexican born owner uh, and and and, you know, he came to the United States to uh, to play baseball in college, stayed here, became an American citizen. Uh, tremendous success story. His name's Fernando Aguirre was uh, the CEO of uh, Chiquita Brands for a number of years, and uh, but when it came time to you know pick a, a, a Copa de la Diversión uh, nickname, uh, you know we kept coming back to pinatas. It reminded him very much of his youth growing up in Mexico and those great times that the family spent together, and and I think our trick was to try to figure out uh, what what would be the the right. Form. a pinata can take a lot of different shapes uh, we wanted to make sure we picked one that would uh, would resonate well, we also had to walk a very fine line to make sure that that the that the pinata didn't communicate something we didn't didn't want it to communicate mm-hmm. uh, and and ultimately um, we came down to what is essentially a bull uh, and uh, and you know and it's sort of like the 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 pinata is almost fighting back against the person that's hitting it with the stick it's, it has kind of that that certain spirit and it almost has the same sort of uh, sensibilities to it that the art main logo does, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I'm not gonna go down fighting, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. I know, it's a totally fun. I mean, the I love all the Copa brands, and that's a that's a totally fun one. the The idea of having to clarify though, that it's not here just for the other teams to
2: to whack us with baseball bats, I think is <laughs> is an important one.
3: I'm a little surprised
2: the other teams in the league haven't taken more advantage of that, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're kind and gentle and they're good friends, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, ho- hopefully they, uh, you know, they're not, they're not listening carefully to this part of this episode. So <laughs> Greg, this has been fun. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing the story with me.
2: I no, appreciate the opportunity, and uh, and we look we look forward to having you out at UPMC Park uh, soon. Ballpark went under seventeen and a half million dollars in renovations since twenty nineteen, so not only a great brand, but it's a great place to catch a game. So uh, you know, hopefully soon. Awesome. I know that the SeaWolves are easy to find on uh, all the social media,
3: but
0: do you are you on social media? Is there somewhere where people can follow you specifically?
2: Yeah, you can find me on on Twitter at SeaWolvesGM. Uh, so that's the easiest way to find me, and yeah, uh, you know, and I, I'm I'm. I am uh, fairly active, though I, I probably spend more time with the, uh, the the team accounts than than probably with my own personal account. But yeah, you can always ping me on there, and uh, quick to reply.
0: All right, thank you so much, Greg. We'll uh, look forward to catching a game next season, and and good luck on the off season. I appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. All right, everyone. Once again. I'm so happy to be joined by my friend Dan Simon, the great designer Dan Simon, who has done so much for minor league baseball and so much for this podcast, and sent me the hat that I'm wearing right now. This very cool Erie SeaWolves cap that I am wearing right now. Dan Simon, welcome back to the podcast. I always love talking to you.
1: Uh, likewise, and thank you so much for that hyperbolic introduction.
0: <laughs> we're gonna we're we're digging deep into the into the memory banks here because this is a logo that you did. You probably worked on it a decade ago. The the team unveiled it in 2013. So it's been you know, it's been a a full decade since you probably worked on on the version of the logo that exists now for the team. But before we get started, I have to point out that you are wearing the lime green, like almost a fluorescent green Franken wolf right now. And so let's let's jump right into this because we, you know, Greg and I talked about the, you know, the sort of origins of the team name. And and, uh, I'm going to talk next with Chuck from the Erie Maritime Museum about, you know, maritime history in Erie, Pennsylvania. But this wolf character that you created, uh, or at least updated from their previous logo, has had a lot of different permutations. Greg and I talked a little bit about that. But let's talk about the the origin, about where this idea came from to have all these different versions of the wolf character, including the lime green Frankenwolf that you're wearing right now, with the sticker still on it, by the way, controversial.
1: (laughs) Well, that's, when you say controversial that the sticker's still on it, I see kids nowadays sure. wearing caps without taking that off. I always <laughs> took it off, but I'm thinking maybe I I need to get with the times. So this is less a matter of I haven't taken the sticker off yet. I I don't know if this is how they're supposed to be worn. I want to be with it.
0: You've got it's a sort of a a dichotomy you have going here because you've got the dad hat fit. You know you've got the curved brim and the soft top but then you've got the the cool kid sticker still on the on the brim there so it's uh
1: well this is a dad hat yeah it's a um it's adjustable but let's see what is the brand of this it's new era,
3: new era and yeah.
1: um and it it has a little bit a lot of dad hats are kind of uh what do they call it not loose fitting but um unstructured that, that, yeah unstructured that's exactly the word i was i was seeking there searching for uh they that that's the prototypical dad hat fit this one has a this one's kind of to me a little bit of a hybrid between a 5150 and a dad hat it's Mm -hmm. got a little bit more structure but again it does have the curved brim and a little bit closer to the head fit but um i kind of like the 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 way it it bridges the the gap between the two styles
0: well and it's got the lime green brim which which you have to love that's a it's an excellent use of Halloween colors. I, of course, I'm wearing, as always, the uh, 47 brand, you know, dad hat that I always wear. And this is uh, this is one that you sent me, which I love.
1: Happy it found a good head to sit on.
0: (laughs) That's that's basically what my head is for, actually. So (laughs) that works. Dan, let's talk about the logo on that hat, Frankenwolf, with the Halloween theme. Because at the time of this recording, we're 10 days out from Halloween. Where where did the idea come from to create all these different characters from the eerie sea wolf himself?
1: Well, it started with an alternate identity that Greg Coleman um, came to me to create for him, which was for the Erie snow wolves. There was a winter, not all that long ago, three, four years ago, where Erie had record snowfall, record for Erie, that is. If I'm not mistaken, they had over 140 inches, we're talking about 12 feet of snow, in one winter season. I can't even imagine that. I'm originally from the New York, New Jersey area, and I remember some pretty high snow buildups on especially snowy winter seasons, Mm -hmm. but not 12 feet. And I, I realize some of that melts away, but still that is a lot of snow. So Greg put out a tweet saying that if this was right around the time they were about to break the record. If they got another snowfall towards the end of the season, which they did get, uh, he put out a tweet saying, "If we get X amount of retweets, whatever it is, we will rebrand for one game as the Erie Snow Wolves." They got the the required amount of required number of of uh, retweets, and lo and behold, we the Erie. Snow Wolves was born. That one proved to be fairly popular, uh, very well received, fairly popular. And seeing that, I was thinking, well, why stop there? So I called up Greg and I said to him, you know, Greg, uh, that one worked pretty well. We've got this character that it, it, that that we like. And rather than creating alternate identities that are quote unquote off brand like mm-hmm. the you know the tacos or the cheesesteaks, which which are great. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those. I love those types of alternate identities. But we can we like our brand here. They also have alternate identities like their Copa identity, which mm-hmm. has nothing. The piñatas, which has nothing to do with wolves or specifically sea wolves. But we like our brand let's build that brand. Let's, let's, let's do a brand expansion. So I said, you know, what if we went, you know, took a look at the calendar, looked at the holidays and, and other potential events and build out multiple iterations of our Seawolf character. Mm -hmm. I said, do do you think that would be beneficial? You think you can use that? And he said, he said, "Why, yes, Dan. Yes, it would. I think that's exactly what he said, and exactly how he he said it." Um, so the two of us looked at the calendar, and there were some obvious ones like Christmas. We're going to do mm-hmm. a, a Christmas one. Teams have already done that. You put a Santa hat on on a character, but really, why stop there? So, right. we 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 landed on um, St. Patty's Day, July Fourth. Um, on my head right now, Halloween. Uh, Armed Services Day, Uh, and then there were some other ones like he says, you know, we do birthdays at the park where kids or adults can celebrate their birthday at the park. We put their name up on the scoreboard, and I I would imagine maybe even their video of them on the scoreboard, Uh, so there's one with a birthday hat on. Um, At the time we were doing this, they were doing stadium renovations, and he said, Dan, I'd like to have a, a construction hard hat um, on this, so we can put place some signage around the stadium, you know, hard hat area and use and use this. And then we also did a superhero, uh, Sea Wolf character, which was at the time not done for this reason, but I would imagine with this new Marvel, what are they called? Ma- help me here, Masters of the Universe.
0: I think so. You, okay. I, you might know that better than I do. The, uh, okay. the minor league Marvel thing has not exactly landed with me i have to say
1: nor with a lot of other people but it, it's a major initiative where if i if i'm not mistaken with all of the 120 affiliated minor league teams they're all going to have this marvel version of their characters so mm-hmm. even and and apparently it was marvel artists who did all of these i it, designers like myself and Brandi and whoever else as far as I know, didn't do any of these. I think right. it was all Marvel, Marvel artists. And, but we do have a superhero version here that uh, I think will work well with that promotion for, for the Sea Wolves, And um, so we ended up having eight different versions of the wolf, in addition to the Snow Wolf, in addition to the original pirate version of mm-hmm. the the Seawolf so um and who knows they're there there there's always the opportunity for more to come it's some it's something we can build on forever whenever something else comes up hey let's do this version
0: well and this is something that that you have done with other identities as well I mean when you started talking about this I thought immediately of what you've done with the Burlington sock puppets and the the possibilities for future characters you know, future sock puppet characters i mean it seems like the possibilities are limitless
1: yeah and certainly uh the the sea wolf stuff predated the the sock puppets with the sock puppets to be completely honest it did not it was not derived from the thought process here with Erie. that was its own that happened organically with the team that was Mm -hmm. something that they had this vision for so i'll be honest and give them not that I'm never dishonest, but uh, <laughs> I'll give. We got them... our
3: fact
0: checkers working on this podcast every time you're on, Dan. It's true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need that with me. Um, uh, credit where credits due. That that came from those guys in Burlington who were cre- great guys and very creative um, in their own right. Um, but you know, this is something. Yeah, you you could do this with virtually any team. So hey, sure. teams out there, if you want to do
0: it, <laughs> designers um, are standing by.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so when you
0: redid this brand, I remember speaking with you back in 2016, when I wrote this article uh, for sportslogos.net about the team. And I, I was sort of struck at the time because you, you always find a way to sort of contort yourself and your words to never say anything unkind about anybody. And it was as hard as as ever for you to not say anything unkind about the logo that you updated from the previous iteration of the Seawolves brand was one that was let's just say desperately in need of, of updating. And then this new one that came out in 2013, I'm going to just keep talking over that. I'm not even going to give you a chance to respond unless, unless you really want one.
1: I'll respond to this. Okay. Go for it. Going, but keep finish your line of thought there. And, and I'll this, this time around, I will respond.
0: Okay. No, go for it. Cause I was going to move on to another question. I was just going to breeze right past it and, uh, and then move on to another question.
1: Well, here at studio, Simon, I've done brand updates for numerous Teams where I'm working with an existing look and I am improving upon that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, a perfect example would be go back to episode four of the baseball design podcast, the Toledo <laughs> Mudheads. they had an a brand identity that was it was imperfect. It was in in some to some degrees, the the rendering was a bit crude, but there was also something good about it. Mm-hmm. And whether from an illustration and or a design standpoint, it was quote unquote good, it was beloved. And moving away from that was just not something that was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So what we did there is it's kind of like the, uh, let's talk about, I often use building construction as an analogy for sports branding, at least with uh, brand updates Mm -hmm. where you are, you have a house, it might be a wonderful house, but it's a little long in the tooth. Mm -hmm. And what you want to do is some remodeling and you might put in some new cabinets. You might even move a wall here and there to improve upon it. But you want to maintain the existing character of the house and when everything's done it looks a heck of a lot better but it it doesn't feel like you threw away the baby with the bathwater
2: mm-hmm.
1: so th- that and that was that was exactly the case with the Toledo Mudhens and mm-hmm. it's been the case with a, a number of other identities similar identity, similar approaches we've taken here. And currently, I'm working on one that's almost the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. In the case of the Erie Seawolves, not just from me, not just from the pundits, but from the fans, there was no love for that logo, nor the artwork itself. As a matter of fact, Greg Coleman stated, so this is not coming from me, he stated that it scared women and children. <laughs> and and so, in this case, this was not the type of remodel I described earlier in this conversation. Yeah. It was a complete teardown, yeah, <laughs> and 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 it needed to be so sure.
0: well, what you did come up with, obviously, and this is, you know, Greg and I talked about this. it 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 derives, you know, it certainly has some similarities to a, the, the Pirates brand, because they have the team has its roots there. And this is, you know, that's something that Greg and I talked about. But in the process of coming up with this terrific new version of the Erie sea Wolves logo, you proposed a couple of different things, uh, including one that I think maybe might have also scared women and children sort of in a, in a <laughs> different way, which was a version of this of the logo. And I'm going to put this on Twitter when this this episode goes up. And it's on the sportslogos.net article that I wrote. Uh, but it is the skull of a wolf with you know a couple of baseball bats with sword handles on them and the the sea wolves text that you did end up using for this brand that that was a you know that was a pretty intimidating looking logo and and it had the red eyes and it had the wolf skull and ultimately the team I think shied away from it because it might have been again a little a little too scary for the team but it was a really cool logo I think it probably would have been well received out there in the world.
1: Well, yeah, it was, that That was a matter of presenting something to the client to show what some other possibilities were. Mm -hmm. I realized at the time it was a long shot and I didn't, I didn't have a lot of money down on it, meaning it wasn't like, man, I really hope they pick this one. If they don't, they're making a big mistake. It's more like, yeah, I think we're going to go in this direction, the the direction we ultimately went, Mm -hmm. but- even though we've had discussions with the team beforehand about what the roadmap for this brand update is going to look like or should be, you never know. They might see something that they haven't already brought up or that I have not necessarily suggested already in our discussions prior to putting pencil to paper and mouse to pad. But Upon seeing it, they might say, you know, we didn't really think about that, but uh, maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. a perfect, let me give you a perfect example, a a real life example. When I did the brand update for the Jackson Generals, which was maybe not more, maybe it was not a brand update in this case, but a rebrand because they had been the West 10 Diamond Jacks. Mm -hmm. So they were changing their name and if there there was no character, we were already basing it on because they weren't the generals and now we needed a general character. And I remember specifically, they asked me for three things. They wanted one that kind of felt like Beetle Bailey from the old comic strip. (laughs) It's a deep cut. Right, one based on General George Patton from famous World War II general. Even Uh, deeper cut. Right. And although there was, it is deeper if you go back to World War II, but there's also a, a, a well known movie, Patton, starring George C. Scott. Um, not to be confused with the George Scott first baseman who used to play for the Brewers and the Yankees and the Red Sox. You're but sure, anyway. it's
0: not the same guy. That would have been interesting. <laughs> there's a career for you. Uh,
1: if I'm not mistaken, George C. Scott won the. Academy Award for Best Actor for that performance. If he didn't win it, I'm almost certain he was at least um, uh, nominated. But
0: we'll get our uh, we'll get our Dan Simon fact checkers on this right away. Yes,
1: please, please do. But come <laughs> on, that movie was early '70s, so not as deep cut as the '40s when World War II took place, but still a pretty deep cut. And then the last <laughs> direction was Jackson, Tennessee, is named after. Um, former President Jackson, who was also a famed um, general, so um, Andrew Jackson, for those who want to know his first name as well. And so I, I, I knew that they wanted those and those directions for potential, for them to potentially have for their identity were presented. But I was also thinking there's something missing here. And it's kind of obvious what was missing, which was some type of an animal character, which so many baseball brand identities tend to be for mm-hmm. good reason mm-hmm. uh, and and so I ended up doing I, I was thinking, well, what animal would would represent a general and i I came up with the idea of doing it as a bulldog. They didn't ask for that, but I presented it just because you never know upon seeing it, sure. they might like it, and that's what they that's what they ended up picking so That said, doing a skull for a minor league baseball identity, probably a skull is not the right way to go for the official team identity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And specifically, Greg said that when he started, he says, this is really cool, but I don't really think this is what is gonna work best for our official team identity.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, But I will say, even though a skull represents the dead, that logo may not truly be dead, and I'll leave it there.
0: Oh, that is a that is a teaser to end all teasers right there. That's a fun one right there. I, I if I and I was even going to say I was gonna say, well, I'd love to see them, you know, re- revive this as it were, and bring it bring it back to, you know, maybe see the light of day. So the red-eyed wolf skull Eerie seawolves logo may may yet live. I can't I can't wait for uh, to see where this goes. Dan, this has been so much fun. It's always so much fun to to talk with you about these brands. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for wearing the Frankenwolf hat while we were talking. That, that made this extra fun. As always, people can find you at studiosimon.net and on Instagram, studio underscore Simon. And still to date, not on Twitter, though I'm going to continue working on you for that.
1: Well, and thank you for having me. And thank you, Baseball by Design listeners, for... Listening, once again, without you guys, this podcast wouldn't have a place in the pod sphere. So thank you guys. Thank you, Paul. I look forward to the next time we can uh, tell more stories.
0: Dan, happy Halloween to you. Uh, I realize this will probably drop shortly after Halloween, but happy Halloween to you and your Frankenwolf cap.
1: Uh, Happy Halloween to you as well. What are you going to be this year, Paul?
0: Uh, well, I'm actually talking with Baseball by Design wildlife consultant, Ranger Amy Burnett. We're talking about going as Jimmy Dugan and one of the players from a league of their own as a uh, a league of their own duo.
1: Well, looking forward to seeing photos of that on your your Instagram. So please make sure you share that with me and your listeners.
0: I definitely will. Thank you, Dan.
1: Thank you, Paul. Bye.
0: All right, everyone. Welcome back. This is this is a treat right now. I am joined by Chuck Johnson, who is the museum educator with the Erie Maritime Museum. So we can really delve into this this Erie sea Wolves nickname, the the maritime history of Erie, Pennsylvania. Chuck, thank you so much for being here.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Oh man, this is this is fun. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about the 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 maritime history of, of Erie, Pennsylvania. And so this there's like just like that one tiny, tiny little bit of Pennsylvania, my native Pennsylvania. I grew up on the other side of the state, but in, in Erie, there's like the one, like the only coastline that we have in Pennsylvania is like right there on Lake Erie. And so you guys have the, the Erie Maritime Museum to tell the story of the maritime history of, of Erie, Pennsylvania. So I'll just ask you sort of, you know, I realize this is a huge 30,000 foot question and you probably there's, you could probably talk about this for a long time. But in a nutshell, what's what's the maritime history of Erie, Pennsylvania?
3: Well, it's really interesting, and and you did bring it up. Um, I, I like to tell people that that if not for Presque Isle, which which is the little sand spit that is right outside my window, uh-huh. um, Erie wouldn't exist in the sense that it does today. Um, but also, I don't think Pennsylvania would have that little little piece that that connects the uh the state to the Great Lakes and the interior which is really neat but uh you know the Erie Native Americans which was an Iroquois speaking tribe um first really settled this area to fish in the in Presque Isle Bay um and over time the French had come here they built forts the British had built forts and then eventually in 1795 um the first true American settlement cropped up right where I'm sitting um and uh you know within within a couple of years they had been building ships um and you know we had the obviously the war of 1812 that that was pretty prominent out here which um you know obviously has a lasting impact not only with erie pennsylvania but as well as you know the erie sea wolves because that's that's really where that that nickname starts to or at least the logo uh, mm-hmm. starts to come into play but erie is a very uh maritime centric town um still to this day um we're not building ships as 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 much as we used to but um, obviously shipping industry um the the commercial fishing industry which at one point this was the epicenter of the largest uh uh freshwater fishing um you know the, the, we we called ourselves the freshwater fishing capital of the world um it, it, like i said that that connection to the water is is a big piece of of Erie's culture and and it's what we at the Erie Maritime Museum try to tell.
0: So you mentioned the the War of eighteen twelve and and mm-hmm. that having sort of a specific connection to the the Sea wolves. It was the the flagship Niagara. I guess is it still there? Is it still docked in Lake Erie? The flagship Niagara.
3: Yeah, it's it it's right outside my office, um, which is which is really neat. It's a reconstruction. It's the it's a different incarnation of the original. But um, the original was Oliver Hazard Perry um his relief flagship during the battle of lake erie um these ships were built really fast they're meant to do one thing and that's go out and and meet the british and they did that um september 10th 1813 um and this ship that we still have right outside um mm-hmm. still sails the great lakes and carries on that tradition so if i'm a
0: visitor to the museum what can i what can i experience there in terms of like can i get out there on that ship or can i you know what am i what am i what am i seeing and learning about and experiencing at the museum
3: it's it's really interesting because the Brig Niagara, as it's called, is the official flagship of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So um, when you come to the museum, a lot of what we do supports that ship. Um, the museum is focused on the War of 1812 and and that maritime connection. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of different exhibits uh, detailing shipbuilding and and fishing and all that. But really, when you come here, people mostly come to see the ship. It's really, it's a beautiful, it's uh very beautiful tall ship, um, Mm -hmm. as, as we see it. Um, and, uh, you know, you can go out there and we do offer day sails so you can sail along the great lakes and, uh, um, experience what it's like to sail on a 19th century warship. It's pretty cool.
0: So I want to get a little nitty gritty here. You use the phrase tall ship and that's, that's come up a couple of times on this episode already. So from your, your expert perspective there, what is a tall ship?
3: A tall ship is, is a vessel that, um, Well, I'll get it. I'll get into it. So the mast heights of the brig Niagara um, reach up to about 118 feet. They're tall. Yeah, they're, they're really tall. So off the water, um, they 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 sit high off the water. Mm-hmm. Um, the ship itself, the the actual ship portion, is is pretty small. But once we, we were talking about, we we're talking about the actual size of the masts and and all of that. So like I said, it's 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 a big ship. When you get out here, you don't expect to see something that sits that high off the ground, but or off the water, I should say. Yeah, that sounds
0: it sounds pretty cool. Actually, it sounds now yeah. the nickname the eerie Sea Wolves. Is seawolf a term that is used sort of commonly outside of the baseball team? like would would you does the word seawolf appear on any of your signage at the, at the uh, museum?
3: You know, shockingly, no. <laughs> um, it's not something that you see traditionally,
0: so from your professional perspective, being an educator at a museum that is dedicated to maritime history, Mm-hmm. Do you feel like if you had been consulted in 1995 when this team was being renamed that maybe if the if they came to you with the Erie Seawolves, you might have said, hey, how about the Lake Wolves? Because Lake Erie is not a
3: sea. <laughs> probably. Um, <laughs> I, I get why they chose the name. I get it. Um, but, yeah, I would probably go with. uh I'd probably go with something more more akin to what you know to the Great Lakes themselves. But I mean, people call these call these things uh, uh, the, the Great Lakes themselves, uh, uh, um, inland seas. So I mean, yeah. you know, it is it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a unique name. It's it's really something that that people do love here, and you see a lot of sea wolves uh, paraphernalia or apparel, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, around the city. Um, so yeah, like I said, people enjoy it what's
0: something that people don't know what what what's something that surprises people when they visit the maritime Museum you know anything anything about Erie and its maritime history
3: I think you especially without a towners um Presque-Oil Bay is like I said it's right outside um our building itself we're sitting right on it um and people assume that Prescow Bay is the lake and beyond it they don't realize that it it's it stretches out towards detroit it's 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 yeah. a huge it's a huge uh, body of water. So I think the biggest thing that people are surprised with is this is a a massive um body of water in the grand scheme of things. Um, but not only that, you know, the Battle of Lake Erie, yeah, our our ships were built here in Erie, um, but the battle itself was fought out beyond Cleveland, Ohio, at what's uh, Put Bay. um, so it's it's on the other side of the lake. So, I think those are the two predominant things that people tend to, um, to be surprised about.
0: The Great Lakes are enormous. I was shocked by that. I mean, I grew up on the you know the the eastern side of Pennsylvania. You know, mm-hmm. still go to the Jersey Shore every year, so I'm used to the ocean and you're you're accustomed with an ocean of just looking out at the horizon and it just you know the water just takes you all the way to the to the edge of the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, I was shocked the first time I saw a Great Lake when I visited Chicago. Right, like, and I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, these are massive bodies of water here.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so
0: anyway, well, this is, uh, you know, I mean, it's such a cool thing. I mean, I just love, I never would have learned all of this history if I had not started looking into the, you know, the, the Erie Seawolves, right. And like, mm-hmm. and every one of these minor league baseball teams, I always discover these, these, these places like the Maritime Museum and, you know, the stories that you all tell and the, the history that you keep alive and, and the sort of you know dating all the way back to you know the the first native americans who who populated that land and all the way up till till now where we've got the Erie Seawolves, yeah. which maybe I think I'm gonna start calling the Erie Lake Wolves now and see what they do. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yeah. What, maybe it's a maybe it's a a, a special like a rebrand one night or something. They play as there the Lake go. Wolves. So, well, we talked in the pre-interview. I see that you've got the Red Sox banner hanging behind you. You're a Red Sox fan.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, we talked a little bit about your history going to Paw Sox games. Given that you're you're a baseball fan, do you have a social media presence outside the museum? Is there somewhere where people can follow you?
3: Uh yeah, I don't really have a public uh, Instagram, but um, I I have a, a actually I could probably send it to you. Um, okay. it's a it's an Instagram page. I talk a lot, a lot about maritime history, so I guess it is a professional page. Yeah, um, if you want to call it that, but um, that's something I can send because it's it's hard to to say it. I, you just okay. Say okay. It. <laughs> we'll,
0: we'll, we'll put it in the show notes and I'll, uh, I'll put it up on Twitter when this goes live. And then yeah. obviously the Maritime Museum, where, where can people find the Maritime Museum?
3: Yeah. So we're at www.eriemaritimemuseum.org. And you can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram um, at Erie Maritime uh, Museum.
0: Fantastic. Well, Chuck, thank you so much. This has been a, a ton of fun. Awesome. Uh, it was
3: good to meet you, Paul.
0: Nice to meet you, Chuck. Thanks for doing this.
3: <laughs> no, thank you.
0: All uh, right. Take care.